Hello and welcome to this edition of Sound Teaching. The psalmist wrote concerning Jehovah in Psalm 139:14, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. In the June 29, 2001 issue of the Daily Texan, which is the University of Texas daily student newspaper, staff writer Devin Griffiths reported on an Austin-based company called Sycor which is a leading force in the development of AI, or artificial intelligence. Simply put, AI is the capacity of a computer to reason and learn on its own without any outside help. Some may be familiar with the Hollywood film in 1968 called 2001 A Space Odyssey. It had as a lead character a thinking, feeling, lying, and ultimately killing computer named Hal. Another theatrical release that captured the imagination of many filmgoers was entitled AI, Artificial Intelligence. It had as its premise the creation of a robotic child that was programmed with the capacity to love. Well, there is often a vast gulf between the imaginative world of science fiction and the reality of actual science. What sounds plausible in movies and books may in reality either be impossible or beyond the realm of man's actual technological achievements. And this is certainly true with regard to the state of artificial intelligence development at the present time. As Griffiths states in his article, despite vast technological developments, researchers in the real 2001 are still trying to get computers to read. Well, concerning the problem with developing AI, Sycor's head, Doug Linnae, indicated that the bottleneck is not that computers aren't fast enough, it's just that they lack common sense. And so, in an attempt to develop AI technology, Linnae hired a large contingent of philosophers called ontologists to compile and modify a program he calls SAC. The ontologist's job is to supply the myriad of facts and the proper relationship the facts hold to one another as such developing a system of thought for the program. Griffiths characterizes this effort as a huge project and notes that other scientists believe it is doomed to failure. For example, AI researcher Rosalind Picard. She contends that no matter how many facts and no matter how much logic is programmed into computers, they will never be able to think rationally and thus display true artificial intelligence. Picard notes that in the case of humans, both a lack of emotion, perhaps as a result of impaired brain function due to injury, or a surplus of emotion, causes humans to act aberrantly. And as computers are not able to feel, contrary to what the movies portray, there are what may be insurmountable obstacles to the development of artificial intelligence. At best, all that can be done by scientists and programmers is a pale imitation of the complex emotions reasoning ability, imagination, and faith of man. Now, while all of the above is interesting to some, and maybe not so much to others, it does serve as a powerful argument as to the design, and therefore, to the designer of man. As Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27 states, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. No matter how fast their processors, no matter the expansion of their memory, no matter the cleverness of their programming, computers will ever remain only a facsimile of God's creative genius. Creationists have always argued from design. It's rightly been pointed out that even simple mechanisms such as a watch or a book could not be the product of happenstance. An explosion, the passage of time, the convolutions of chance events, conditions, they cannot serve to bridge the gap between chance and any object with structure and purpose. And though this argument is simple, it is certainly not simplistic. The most profound and powerful truths are often self-evident. This is true of the design of the universe and all that is in it. As the psalmist said in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. The reason that evolutionists believe that both the universe and the life it contains came about by chance is not because it's plausible, but rather it is in their mind the only possibility. Simply stated, if all the other possibilities are eliminated, what remains must be true no matter how implausible. You see, the evolutionist has rejected the concept of divine creation out of hand. And as such, they believe the only possible explanation for the universe to be the evolutionary process. I want you to listen to this quote from Nobel Prize laureate Harold C. Urey, who is quoted in the Christian Science Monitor in January of 1962. He says, All of us who study the origin of life find that the more we look into it, the more we feel it is too complex to have evolved anywhere. We all believe, as an article of faith, that life evolved from dead matter on this planet. It's just that its complexity is so great, it's hard for us to imagine that it did. Well, quotes such as that remind me of the 14th Psalm in verse 1, which says, Truly the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Scientists pour millions of man-hours into a project designed to, in some limited way, mimic man's emotions and intellect. And these same scientists deny a designer in the original. Well, this shows them, obviously, to have a prejudiced mind. You know, too often Christians fear the so-called knowledge of the experts. We are intimidated by the terminology. We're ill-prepared to counter the bold assertions made. We're cowed by the letters behind the names. Rather, we should see such men who rail against the revelation of God as ineffectual children who won't see it because they refuse to open their eyes. They are as those mentioned in Acts 28. The heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. You see, they refuse to see, hear, and understand the existence of God, because if they do, they will have to turn from their wicked way of living and their selfishness. And this is something they will not do. 
This does not, however, change the glorious truth stated in Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Thanks for listening to this edition of Sound Teaching. The Sound Teaching broadcast is brought to you by the Westside Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Stan Cox, and I am the evangelist for this family of Christians. For more information about our congregation or to find much more material for your private study, please visit our website at soundteaching.org. That's soundteaching.org. Until next time, we pray God's blessings upon you.